Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Hello and welcome to another podcast. I'm your host, Shane Kelton, and today we have a great guest, a great friend of mine, Kane Patterson, along to talk about his story about drugs, depression. Yeah. Yeah. And anxiety. Um, I don't... I don't think I suffer from anxiety. Yeah. I'm just drugs and depression, yeah, and all that. So, welcome, Kane. Thanks for coming along. Thank you for having me. Story. That's all right. Um, firstly, we're going to tell the listeners basically um, a bit about your childhood and how you grew up. So, sort of those first ten years. What was it like? Your house, your family, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so the first. I suppose a couple of years of my life were a bit interesting. Um, I sort of try to explain it to people. It's it's something that you would read about in a book or see in a movie. It's not something that a lot of people want to know is happening to children out there, but there is quite a bit of it happening. Uh, my mum was a heroin addict and a prostitute, and she was involved with a lot of bad people that were doing bad things, um, and I got... I think the first time I went into foster care was about one and a half around there somewhere. Mum OD'd in a McDonald's and we just, yeah, just got rushed away. I don't really remember it, but my brother remembers a lot more of it than How I do. How old was your brother? Brother would have been about four-ish there. Yeah. So probably five-ish. I don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> somewhere around there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and yeah, that, that sort of continued for the first... 15 years of my life, it was just uh, a reoccurring thing where we would move back in with mum, be with her for two weeks, she would OD or commit a crime or something and get put in jail and then we'd get taken away again to a new location, new school, new friends, new everything Um, and then same thing again, go back with her, she'd OD or something, we'd get taken away. Yeah. So through this period of time, how many schools do you think you went to? Jeez, uh, it would be in the twenties. Twenty schools, yeah. By the age of fifteen, by uh, so probably about twenty different schools. By the time I got into high school, yeah, it was just sometimes it would be multiple different schools each year, just because we'd go into like short term placement to get away from mum while she cleaned her act up. Yeah. Quotation marks there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just so listeners know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, big quotation marks. Yeah. Uh, and then we'd go back with her and a week later she'd stuff up again and then we'd get taken away to a new place, short-term placement, go back with her. So it was just... To and fro, to and fro. Yeah. All the time. Uh, how did that affect your life at the time? Or was it because you didn't know any different? It just seemed normal. Yeah. So I, I talked to a lot of people about uh, my life and that. And they're like, oh, that must have been so hard on you. And I'm like, well, it was just life for me. I yeah. thought it was normal. It wasn't like obviously getting taken away from mum. There was tears and crying and stuff like that. I don't know why, but. Um, oh, she's your mum in the end. Yeah, 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 but now it's, it's yeah. a lot different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I say to them, like, that was my life. That's all I knew. Like, I knew other kids were different because. You know, I'd talk to them and they, they would say, no, I've been with the one person, yeah, you know, so, life, yeah. yeah, but as for affecting me at the time, it was just normal. It was normal. Yeah. It was normal life for you. Mm. Um, so, do you know now how, I guess, how long your mum was doing it before? But was she doing it before you two kids were born or was it something that sort of came along after you two were born? Uh I'm not sure how long before she had my brother she started. Yeah. But she's been doing it pretty much all her life. So, yeah. So it was yeah. something she was sort of brought into growing up with. Uh, no, no. So yeah. she had an awesome upbringing. Okay. Like my, my nan and pop were angels. Yeah. If you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, but she just got into the wrong crowd and then went just with took it. Her, yeah. Took her as it. I guess it does. Yeah. And we'll talk about where yes. it took you in a second. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you, you said it was normal, but looking back now, do you think, I mean, obviously the situation wasn't normal, but do you think you felt normal at the time? Do you, do you feel like 
you may be holding back a lot of stuff because your mum was going through a lot as well. Because I know a lot of kids will pretend they're strong just for their parents. Um, not not really sure on that. I know, uh, I know I build up a lot of resilience. Like things uh, don't affect me as much as they should these days. It's yeah. only specific things that really get to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. No. That's a hard question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm a hard. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm good, good at asking questions, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, it's, I, the reason I ask that because perspective can obviously bring back a lot of memories and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, you might have felt so strong, but you might have also felt like you were putting that. The front on. That front yeah. on. Yeah. Um, as well. And you, you sometimes you don't realize that for 20 years. So, yeah. Um, I know there's um, a lot of things that. I can't remember whether I'm choosing not to remember them yeah. or whether I've just forgotten them. I am not sure. I'd hate to go to a hypnotist or something. Yeah, and pop it or oh, someone that can oh, yeah. get those memories. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think we all at some point deliberately forget things yeah, yeah. and pretend they never happened. I don't think there's any difference to a normal kid um, forgetting things like that. So um, let's talk about your brother through that time. Were you, did you go to the same foster care throughout those years? Were you always together or what was the situation there through those years? We were, me, my brother and my sister, my younger sister, were always together wherever we went um, until I think I was about seven or eight and then David got adopted and because he was old enough to realise what was happening with mum and he made the smart decision to not go back with her but... Um, unfortunately, me and Susie, it was not our decision. Yeah. The DHS or whatever it was called back then are in control of us. And mum showed that she was clean, quotation yeah. marks again, <laughs> yeah. um, and that she was able to technically look after children again. So we got put back in her care and that's when we got separated. Yeah. Uh, and then the next time that we went into foster care, they split me and Susie up. So okay. Susie, Susie went to a uh, awesome family up in Whoop Whoop. Forgot where it is. <laughs> oh, that old place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went down to Mornington to a foster home down there. Yep. So. Um, do you still speak to your sister now? Uh, occasionally. Occasionally, yeah. she lives like two streets away from Lisa's <laughs> parents. So, oh, okay. Whenever I'm. I go and see them. I'm like, I'll be back in an hour and I pop over pop and them. say, how are you? So, Lisa's Kane's um, better half. Yes. For those Definitely better half. <laughs> <laughs> Brings him back on the straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, so, what happened after 15 for you? Because that's, you kind of said 15 before as a, an age and I don't know whether that brings up anything specific or not, but uh, that was sort of the age you gave me. It's a defining moment in my life where I made a very bad decision Um I was playing golf at a very high level and well on my way to becoming a professional. Uh, For someone around the age of 16, playing off a handicap under five is extremely good. Um, But I made the bad decision of moving back in with mum once again to give her another chance. And shortly after that, everything started going downhill quite a lot. (laughs) Before we talk about that going downhill a lot... um, Advice, I guess, advice for kids that might be going through this at home themselves, what you went through, and what do you believe the DHS or the powers that be do with the kids that parents are in this situation? Because obviously you were thrown to and from. Do you think it was better that you were just put in foster care for... For good. For good or for many years until your mum could prove over... Significant period of time, yeah. That because let's be honest, addiction of any kind doesn't just take six weeks or yeah. twelve weeks to get over. It takes two, three years, yeah, sometimes yep. to really say you're clean. Do you think that's the better option? Um, hundred percent. Like if if a child gets taken away from a parent because they've OD'd in a McDonald's, then they shouldn't be thrown back into that environment like straight away as soon as the the parent can prove that she can stay clean for a couple of weeks yeah. like uh 
back then DHS was a lot different. Yeah. I believe now, I don't know too much about it now, but I believe they're a lot more strict now and there's uh, better laws and stuff in place. But in saying that, if it wasn't for DHS, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah, so, exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Not saying even, that they're at fault. Yeah, but... yeah. Even though um, like back then their, their policies were she can prove she can be good for yeah. X amount of time, they go back and then she stuffs up and it was a perpetual cycle. But I'm thankful that they stood in when they did. Because so, each time it probably saved your life. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So now let's talk about the downward spiral that you had a little bit. <laughs> Because there's a lot of it. Um, yeah. We'll go into that. We'll go into the what started it. What was the first moment? Okay. Uh, so it was around the age of 13. I started having visitations again with my mum, like getting to know her because I'd I'd stopped seeing her for a while because I was pissed off at her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I started seeing her, um, and everything was going good. And then on visitations, like I would have a few drinks with her and stuff like that um, while she was there. Yeah. And then started experimenting with weed. Um, but it didn't really grab me like other drugs do. Yeah. Um, when I was about 15 going on to 16, my mum gave me my first taste of hard drugs, yeah. if you want to call it that. She gave me some speed uh, and I loved it. It was awesome. Yeah. Awake, alert, like switched on, just 100 mile an hour, and I loved it. And that probably, that experience for you, probably something was, let's face it, drugs will take you to a place that you haven't been before. Yeah. But you've probably never even been close to that place because you've been moving around all the time. You're probably yeah. almost exhausted with <laughs> life in could, a, in a could sense. Could have been, yeah. So you probably went from. Exhausted moving around to just being feeling awesome on top of the yeah. world. Yeah. So it probably was almost that extra kick that you wanted and needed at the time. Yeah. Um, which made it addictive. Yeah. Did Def- it? So it started then and just went. Uh, it started from there and it, it, it didn't go full on straight away. I sort of started, uh, experimenting with it a bit more when I would go see her. Um, sorry. When I would be with her yep. and she'd be taking it, I would take it with her. Yeah. And then it got to the point where I would go find it myself and then things started really traveling downhill. I started experimenting with pills, coke, anything that I could get my hands on pretty much. Anything that gave you that high. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just for a while it became an everyday thing, uh, a hell of a lot on the weekends when I was hanging out with friends and stuff. Yeah. And um, <laughs> like every teenager says when they're experimenting with drugs, I'm in control. Yeah. <laughs> I I know when to quit. I know when to stop. I know when I've had enough. I was out of control. It was just if someone had it and I could get it, <laughs> whether that be free or on, or on tick or money or wh- whatever means, I was like, I'm having it. You want so, it no matter what. Yeah. You're willing to do anything to get it, yeah. basically. Al- almost anything. Yeah, almost anything. <laughs> almost anything. <laughs> Um, there's probably people out there that will do almost anything. You probably saw that. I've got some weird stories about yeah, that I may tell probably, you offline. We probably won't share those stories on yeah. the line. Um, so, probably a hard question um, to answer, and if you don't want to answer it, we'll edit this out, but do you blame your mum? Uh, I used to, a lot. Yeah. Um, until I woke up to myself and I was like, I'm, I, I'm the one in control. Yeah. Um, I used to have a lot of animosity towards my mum, a lot of hate. And to, to an extent back then, if she died, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care. It yeah. wouldn't affect me. Um, but as I've gone through my own journey and I've experienced what it's like and, and then got off everything, um, I still have, um, the word not hate like a little bit of anger towards her for my childhood yeah because i've realized how bad that was now you probably missed out you feel like you missed yeah. out a little bit yeah. yeah a little bit but i don't have the amount of hate that i had for her because i've gone through similar to what she's gone through so there's that understanding yeah 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 understand mm. how hard guess how hard it and yeah. challenging it was yeah. to- and i i never took heroin so i 
don't know, like that's her drug of choice. And to this day, I think she still takes it. I'm, I haven't spoke to her for about nine years. So, yep. yeah. Um, so let's talk about the lowest point you're at. So there's been a lot of them. <laughs> well, let's mention one or two of them and okay. what, what that looked like for you lifestyle wise. Where were you? I mean, what were you doing for drugs in terms of, I'm guessing you probably weren't working too much. Uh, I would I would jump from job to job. Yeah. But my main source of income was dealing. Yeah. I had a little bit of money coming in from that. Um, at at the time when I was at my lowest point, that's where the money was coming from. Yeah. yeah. So the dealing was basically funneling your habit. My habit, and occasionally I would eat and stuff. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've I've heard you talk about this a little bit before, but yeah. Did resort to eating out of bins and stuff as well. Yeah, time to time. Yeah, so that's it's happened a few times through my life. Like uh, the first time it happened was when I was a child. Yeah, um, I don't remember it. My brother tells me this stuff. Yeah, um, like when we used to sleep in um, the Salvos bins and stuff. Like I can't remember it, but he does. Yeah. So, um, and then when I was around about the age of seventeen, I went through a pretty bad time. Me and my mum had a massive fight and she chased me down the street with a meat cleaver. Like, yeah, I'll tell you. It was probably the fastest you have ever run. It was and very fast <laughs> and, and long. Like, if, if you know Kane, he doesn't like running. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty impressed with myself that day. He actually, he actually was complaining as he walked up the stairs before. Yeah, so. yeah. The incentive was there to yeah. go very fast. Um, but yeah, and she kicked me out and I tried to stay at a few friends' houses and they wouldn't have it because I was pretty bad. Yeah. And then, yeah, when you haven't eaten for a couple of days, anything looks good. And, you don't, and you've done it before. Yeah. So even if you didn't remember it, it was something you'd done. So it was something yeah. that was in your it, back of your mind. It was still a hard decision to make. Yeah. Like it was, yeah, you just sort of look at it and you're like, oh, I'm so hungry. Do I really? Can, is there another way? Like, yeah, but it's just you got to do it to live. Yeah, sometimes, and you obviously did want to live. Yeah. Um, what else do you remember through that time that well, I guess would give insight into people? Because I know these people probably listening are like it's his own fault, and you would agree with that. Like, yeah. you, you just have. But what else in that period of time sort of do you remember that? Is there points where you thought you could have got out of it or, and you kind of brushed it off? Or um, When my grandfather passed away, uh, that to date was probably the worst day of my life. Um, it hit me really hard, but I wanted to support my nan. My nan and pop were like my family growing up. Yep. They looked after us. They uh, made sure we were all right every weekend in foster care and stuff like that. Um, so I moved in with her after he died to try and help her. Yep. Um, How old were you? Uh, 17, 18. Yep. It was just shortly after mum kicked me out as well. Yep. So <laughs> In the way, yeah. good timing. Yeah. See, Pop was still looking after yeah, you there. could have been. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I was still drinking quite heavily and I was trying to get off everything. So that was the first time I tried to clean my act up. Yep. Um, unfortunately... It didn't work out and I was just eating into Nan's savings because I couldn't hold down a job. Yeah. I couldn't get my act fully together um, and I stayed there for a couple of years and then unfortunately Nan had to make a decision and kick me out. Yeah. I guess it would have been very hard for her but it was just, yeah, I was a moocher if you, you want to call it that. Do you think her kicking out was the best thing? Uh, my family disowning me and like saying that they're not going to help me anymore was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I didn't, didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck you guys. I hate you. Yeah. You're like, rah, rah, rah. Not, not my nan, like everyone else, yeah, but yeah, except yeah. for my nan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now I sort of realize that what they were doing was, uh, you've got to be cruel to be kind. Is that yeah. how this? Yeah. They had obviously tried before. Yeah. And seen it fail and didn't want to. I guess they didn't want to be hurt by yeah. the continuous yeah. effort and they didn't want to see you go do this anymore um, to yourself. Unfortunately, uh, the people that get hurt the most through addiction are the family yeah. because the person going through addiction, even though they're hurting, 
they don't have to watch yeah, from the out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but my nan didn't really know what was going on. I yeah. kept it all from her until I appeared on the project and then she seen everything and oh. she, she was like, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> so, Kane was on the project uh, in 2018. Yeah. So, um, I'll share the link for that as well because he sat down with Tommy Little in his uh, garage where he's yeah. business is. 2017. So, 2017. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jeez. He's just everywhere. Yeah. Um, also been on SBS. Yes. Or ABC. SBS. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So, and on SBS, you were there with your brother. And now I yeah. didn't know you had a brother until I watched that. Yeah. You know, I thought that was really interesting um, because he was one of those people that disowned you yes. and basically got rid of you and turned out to be one of the best things for you. Yep. Yeah. How hurtful was that at the time? How much anger was there towards him? How angry was he? Uh, he was quite angry. Uh, I was very angry and we're both stubborn. So <laughs> it was like, we weren't going to budge from anything. Um, growing up, David was always, besides my pop, he was like my father figure as well. Yeah. I looked up to him. I was always uh, trying to copy what he's doing, even though he went and played football and got really good at that. I went and played golf, which is like completely <laughs> different. But anyway, yeah. um, and then once I started going bad, I sort of lost contact with him. And didn't see him for ages. Because uh, he, he was still at the same adoption house. Yeah, so he was there and then he got his own house and started yep. his life. Yeah. Um, when I started, I think it was the second time I tried to clean my act up, I asked him if I could move in. I, I said, I just need somewhere to stay. This is what I'm trying to do. Um, it's going to be hard, but I just need somewhere to stay. Something, yeah. Something, some, somewhere over my head where I can just go to and you know uh didn't go too well i couldn't quite get it together and get my act together and i was uh he'd wake up in the morning and i'd be like passed out on the kitchen floor or something um either drunk or off my head yeah um and he kicked me out yeah <laughs> been kicked out a lot in my yeah life. <laughs> um and then I spent the next couple of years like going from house to house, couch surfing with friends, sleeping on the streets occasionally. Uh, and then I moved in to a house down in Pakenham. Yep. And um, I got a job there with a really cool guy. Um, I told him everything like that was going on. This was a, the last time I tried to clean my act up. Yep. I told him what was happening. Um, and yeah, for two years, I didn't turn up on Mondays. And I, I just said to him, he goes, why didn't you turn up? And I was like, you know why? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but he kept me on, um, like, which is incredible. Yeah, and how then, important was that for you? Like, even though yeah. you were still doing what you were doing every weekend, how yeah. important was that for you that he stuck by you? Yeah, very important. I was actually uh, one of the best men at his wedding. So, oh, so yeah. he's kept the friendship. Yeah, yeah, we're still great. We don't see each other that often, but yeah. we're still great friends. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, sort of through that process, having the job there and having something to focus on was making it a little bit easier to sort of clean my act up. It took me ages to get off everything. Um, but having that there was one of the critical points of it as well. So. Yeah. What, what else, what are the other avenues that you put in to get yourself off um, through this period of time? <laughs> First of all, waking up to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Realizing that it's no one else's fault except my own. Like I'm I'm still doing this. Yeah. And yeah. So, so, first, so let's, the first thing was your family kicked you out. Yeah. Then you got the job and there was a wake up call then that you had to own this. Yeah. Uh, there was one other critical point. Um, so through my childhood, not having family around and being in foster care and stuff, I grow attached to friends. Yeah. So friends are like family to me. Yeah. Um, I had one very close friend of mine in particular that we were, I was out partying and I ran into him and he said to me, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. You're getting too bad. Um, you know, don't contact me anymore. And <clears throat> for being on a four day bender. Yeah. And, extremely drunk. I can't th remember anything else from the four days 
except for that, so mo- that. that moment. And it started something. Yeah. Like it still, it still took me three and a half years roughly to get off everything, but it was that, among other things, it was that moment that sort of sparked yeah. it. And you realise that he wasn't going to be the first and last to leave. Yeah. It yeah. was going to continue happening if you continued yeah. the way you were going. Yeah. So three and a half years, what else helped you through that three and a half years, I guess? <laughs> I know what you're trying to get to. <laughs> no, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not trying to get to that. Um, no. So it was about uh, two years into trying to quit, like um, trying different ways of quitting and failing at it and then just trying again. Through that first two years, how long was your longest time off it? Oh, it's hard to say because sometimes it it would be like a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, Other times it wouldn't be uh, getting off it, but it would be having less or, or not having that particular drug or not drinking or not you know yeah so it just, wasn't it wasn't just a remove it for 10 15 no, days it was no, I, lots of different yeah at, at the start i kept trying to go cold turkey and like i would last a day and a half two days and i'd be like stuff this yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it um it was a cycle of trying stuffing up identifying why i stuffed up and yep. what what went wrong and then trying to implement a bit better next time so it was there were times where I was like, nah, I'm just gonna keep taking yeah. drugs. I'm just gonna keep doing this. Like I can't I can't see um what's the saying? I can't see the forest from the trees. Is that the one? It sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure the you know, will send us an email if it's the, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, when um someone's in a situation and they they can't see Now all they're looking at is the the situation yeah. they can't yeah. they can't see Past out of, out of it yeah, yeah they can't see out of it. there's probably a saying for it but yeah, I think you're right I yeah. think you're right yeah. I'm not that great with myself <laughs> although probably in another podcast I'll probably be off at twenty seven yeah, yeah. and I'll be like bang I'm good at it um so two years of identifying and working on things um what happens after that what changed at that two year mark uh, I'm guessing something changed. I started going to the gym. Yeah. Yeah. I I went to the gym. I'd gone to the gym with my mates in the past and done workouts with them. But this time I went with my brother. Yeah. And it was just something, I guess it was because I was trying to better myself and being in that environment, even though gyms are not a great environment, like commercial gyms. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, it was a great environment. Yeah. Um. It sort of it grabbed me. Yeah, I don't know. And then, yeah, I started started going regularly with my brother. I was weak as hell when I started; like I couldn't even lift the barbell. Was it <laughs> was the picture of you at your skinniest, which probably wasn't then? It was probably a lot earlier. Yeah, that was a lot earlier. Yeah. Um, that that photo of me, I can't. I know the time span of when it was, you don't know but exactly. I don't know the exact. Yeah. So, so well, you lot, people obviously see that when I share the links and stuff as well. So yeah, yeah. They'll see the transformation you've been through Yeah. Um, through that time. Now, you said you wanted to better yourself. Was this the first time that you really actually th- thought, hey, hang on a minute, this is actually for me? Yeah. This is actually going to help me. This isn't going to set me back. Yeah, I, I wasn't doing it for anyone else. Yeah. Like, I didn't really have anyone else to do yeah. it for except for like my brother and my nan. And your brother but, was a role model, like for you growing up. You, yeah. You, you touched on it. You, 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 yeah, you didn't play footy, you played golf, but yeah. you wanted to play sport. You yeah. wanted to be good at sport like he was. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you looked up to him because he was successful yeah. in a way. And older brother. Yeah, like, and yeah. older brother, which is natural. <laughs> you yeah. can follow what your older brother does. So yeah. he probably unbeknowingly both of you he's probably saved you a fair bit yeah. as well because he's given you a path to follow and yeah. allowed that to sort of happen so um what was the next phase that you'd seen the big wide world of gym uh i just launched into it and it it gave me something to focus on and made the the quest of reducing the amount of drugs and alcohol that i was having so much easier like it it got to the stage pretty quickly where I was just having it on the weekends or sorry, 
weekends, meaning Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> weekends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it it got slowly got smaller and smaller and smaller until it got to the stage where I was just like, okay, I can stop everything now. I'm not I'm not having the phenomenal amount that I used to. Yeah. Um, I think I've got enough willpower to just yeah. Uh, I went through a bit of. Like when I when I got rid of everything, the yeah. sh- my hands were shaking, and when you're a plasterer, it's not too good. <laughs> so that's probably the worst thing. I'm I know, plastering. I know. It was a couple of times like I was doing the the walls, and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you weren't plastering mine. <laughs> um, so basically, what you're saying is you found something to distract yourself. You found a new addiction. Yes, definitely. Uh, I do have an addictive personality and if something is fun and rewarding for me, then I will do it a lot. That's why I video game. Yeah, I was just about to say, <laughs> have an addiction to video games yes. as well. Yeah. That's your that's what you do. Video yeah. games and gym are your go tos now. Like they're my blanket. Yeah. They're yeah. your see safety blanket. They're yeah. to what stops you from going back down there. Because yeah. let's face it, you could. I yeah, go back definitely. There. Quite easily. Yep. yep. Um, it's drugs are probably more easily accessible now than what they were when you started. Yes. Um, so, gym was massive for you. What came next? Because it wouldn't have been easy staying off drugs, and um, gym would yeah give you that high most of the time, but sometimes it probably wouldn't have. Yeah, it's so. Once I'd sort of, I'd stopped everything, I was still living with my brother for a bit. Uh, and then I made the decision to move to Port Hedland to try and make some money working yeah. the mines up there. Um, and I was going great up there for about six months until I had my birthday. Uh, and then I went out, got drunk, uh, and I, I woke up in the morning and I was like, I could, I could taste that I'd had something yeah, and I, I found out what, what I had and I was like, shit. And like, I went and told the, the foreman or the person in charge, basically. person in charge of where I was working. Yeah. And I said like, you got to send me home. Uh, so he laid me off and I got sent home. Um, and then from there I moved into a friend's house, uh, stayed with her because I knew she didn't do any of that. And she's a great friend of mine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, from there I, I went and did my PT course yep. to become a personal trainer. Um, and yeah. Was that, was that something you thought about prior to going to the mines, being a PT? Yeah. It was. So yeah. that was, that obviously being, you were addicted to gym. Why not make a career out of it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. was it the fact that you want to help other people? now yeah more than because you had it yourself you didn't need to go out and get a pt course you had it yourself you could find a job um you're a strong guy now you would get maybe not at the time you weren't <laughs> no, that wasn't. strong but you could potentially were going to get strong so you could have got a hard laboring job but you took the pt career was yeah. it purely for the fact that everything you'd been gone you'd gone through you wanted to help others yeah yeah there's there's definitely that side of it and if uh if personal trainers aren't coming into the industry because they want to help people these days, I think they're in the wrong industry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like definitely. Um, one of my goals has been, and I'm still working towards it, to start like a, a free training day for underprivileged kids where they can just come and lift weights and learn how to do it. And Yeah. Yeah, I reckon that would be really cool. <laughs> so if anyone out there can back that yeah, up yeah. to Kane, that would be fantastic. He'd love me forever for yeah. the podcast got in that. Um like that that would be awesome. That's something that I would guess I'd I'd love to come and help you do if yeah. you get up and running. Yeah. Um because if you get 20 kids running around lift and weights, you probably need more than just you and Lisa. Yeah. I don't know how Lisa would go with that. <laughs> no, Lisa probably would yeah. say, no, get yeah. other people in. Yeah, yeah. But that's something I'd and I'm sure there'd be other guys. Um they would love to help you yeah. out as well, just to because he's obviously very rewarding. So you just mentioned Lisa. When did Lisa come along uh, in the journey? So it, me and Lisa know when we met. Yeah, but yeah, it's sort of like <laughs> I was still sleeping with a lot of other girls at the time. Yeah, uh, and I met Lisa. 
and we started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then slowly I got to know Lisa, got to know her a lot, lot better. I wasn't taking drugs at this time. I was just drinking excessively because that was my vice after I got off everything. Was this So this was after you got off everything and yep. before you worked in the mines? Uh, uh, just before I went to the mines. Yep. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, I got to know uh, Lisa, started to really like her, uh, stopped sleeping with all the other girls. Yep. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I asked Lisa to be my girlfriend and she said no. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, and it just made me want her even more. Yeah. So uh, we were sort of doing the long, long distance relationship while I was in Port Hedland. Yeah. Uh, oops, sorry. Not relationship yet. Yeah. But long distance friendship. But- yeah. Heading towards relationship, hopefully. Yes, definitely. Uh, and then it was actually good because me being up there, she started to realize that she liked me. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what my psychologist <laughs> said to me once. He said, uh, what's the saying? Like I say, I'm not good with my sayings at the moment. Yeah. Um, Absence makes your heart yeah, grow fonder. Yeah. 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 So that and it's, um, days when I was thinking, I'll sing something else, but oh well. It'll come to you. Yeah. <laughs> Someone out there will. Give me it. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then what happened when, do you, when you come back? Uh, so when I come back, it, it was actually while I was up there, we were talking on the phone and she said, yes, I'll be your uh-huh. girlfriend. So I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little happy dance. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then when I came back, um, I sort of launched myself into my personal training and uh, I wanted to finish my cert and the same friend that told me that he didn't want to hang out with me anymore did the PT course with me to support me. Oh, wow. So I uh, I believe he wanted to be a personal trainer as well and probably still does, but I think he sort of did it to support me, which I – well, that's what I think. Yeah, uh, but – And it helps me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He, probably, he probably did it, did it yeah. for that reason. Even yeah. if he did want to be a PT, he could have waited. Yeah. Or he could have done a different course, but – yeah, doing it with you. Yeah. Was probably his way of saying, You're on the right track and I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be here with you. Yeah. If this is the path you want to take. So that was probably yeah. massive for you going yeah. through that. Yeah. He drove drove me every time we had to go into Russell Street from Cranbourne. Like That's a pretty <laughs> yeah. big deal. Yeah. yeah. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, um What happens after you complete your certs? Ugh. I applied for up above 50, like, PT jobs. Yeah. Uh, no one – I was pretty honest about my past and stuff with everyone. Yeah. Uh, and no one would give me a sniff. So, I was starting to sort of go, okay, maybe it's not for me. Yeah. Um, and then one person asked me to come in and have a meeting with him, um, Jose Anana. Yeah. Thomas. Yeah. Uh, at Mana Fit. At Mana Fit, Yeah. Um, and yeah, we sat down and it was actually quite a funny story in my meeting, first meeting with Jose, my first words to him were, oh, how long is this going to take? I've got to go see like a police officer after this about some stuff. He's like, this is not the kind of thing you say in an interview. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, yeah, but I'm just being honest. Like it's yeah. kind of important that I go see them. So, and then, um, we got to know each other and he, yeah, it took me on. So took it like that, faith. Yeah, so it was it was another lucky break. I don't know, like with people seeing good in me. Yeah, what I, yeah. So shout out to them. Yeah, <laughs> there's um, been a, a few people that have helped me along the way to get to where I am now, and like they all know who they are. Yeah, so they do. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, and yeah, like huge credit to all of them, but. You actually needed to want to help yourself yeah, first. That's that's where it started. Yeah, definitely. Like if if you didn't try and you can, you don't even need to make up a story here. There was times where you didn't want to help yourself, and your brother or your family were trying to help you. Yeah, and you basically shoved it in their faces. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like because you didn't want the help for years. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, question on that. So I think this is really interesting. Did you stay in that drug path? 
even though you did want to get out of it because it was easier so for some of it. Because it was, um, you know how hard it is to get off it. Yeah. It's it the other option which people take, some people take, is to stay in it. Yeah. Do you think that's the easiest option? It, it could be. Uh, it's another hard question. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't really know. I, I had to be ready yep. to to get out of it. Like, I, I hear a lot of stories about um, parents putting their kids into rehab like over and over and over again and it's 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 never going to work unless they want to change yeah and it's it's a hard hard pill to swallow for some people but it's just it's it's like someone transforming their body and unless they're ready they won't do it yeah they just they may try but they'll keep forwards backwards forwards backwards forwards backwards so in in essence we're like a three-year-old that doesn't want to go to bed <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah you put them in bed but they'll yeah. sing and they'll make noise and they'll throw yeah. nappies around and yeah they will do anything they can until they just pass out basically yeah which is in essence what you would probably be doing as well yeah big tantrum <laughs> and then pass out yeah <laughs> so yeah it's probably we need to want it for ourselves yeah. first and yeah. that was the biggest step that you needed to make and you needed to acknowledge that yeah it was it was very hard to look at myself and go okay i'm i'm not in this situation because of other people yeah there may have been influences along the way but in the end like the decision to get as bad as i've got was all mine yeah like it's just and it, and it's very hard for someone in that situation to sit down and go okay <laughs> it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. don't, you don't want to admit that. No, because it, it makes you upset. Yeah, it makes you angry at yourself, and being angry at yourself and disappointed at yourself for getting yourself in that situation can sometimes make you spiral even more. Yeah. So you've got to allow yourself to take that on and go. No, no, no I'm going to learn from this instead of letting this grab me again. Yeah. And but in in the same sense, though, as as hard as it was, as soon as I did it and sort of and started moving forward to get off everything i made the decision to do that and not die in the streets or whatever yeah it was a big weight that had been lifted off like there was a lot of stress gone and everything yeah so it's just acceptance yeah 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 Yeah. when you i guess it's like when you feel there's something wrong with your body you're sick and you go through all these tests and you don't know what's wrong you're really stressed and they come back and say, you've got this. And you're like, oh, I yeah, feel so much more relieved. I know. Yeah. Even though you've got this illness, yeah, yeah. you actually feel relieved because yeah. you know that you're not experiencing this shit for no reason, yeah. I guess. And, and now you know what to do to get, yeah, yeah. To get out of yeah. it. So, what, I guess I want to know, when you're at that crossroads, it was either get off this or keep going. Did you did you honestly think that it would end up you just dying in the streets or yeah, yeah. that was it there was yeah. that was what you you visioned, basically visioned that and I, you didn't want that or it was either that or just be one of, like living with my mum taking drugs all the time or you know because eventually I would have got back around to living with her or being with her in some way so yeah yeah that was where the path yeah and you didn't want to be back there. Basically. Either one of those, I yeah. wouldn't want. <laughs> and, the, and that strong, you, you, I can see it in your face, but you, I can see it. You, that was the what you didn't want, and yeah. that was what drove you to go the other way. Yeah, you had it's two roads. scared the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah, and that forced you. Yeah, you probably didn't face that before, so you actually finally faced what would happen if you kept going. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I, before you were enjoying. Yeah, enjoying it until it became. Oh, I shouldn't say that because it became a problem long before. Yeah, I, but, yeah, but um. Yeah, I'd never really. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I've never really looked at myself and gone, "What, what do I want?" Yeah. You know, do I want to essentially turn out like my mum, or do I want to be better? Yeah, yeah. And you, I'm guessing the reason you didn't want to turn out like your mum is because you didn't want, if you had kids or people in your future, you didn't want them to grow up like you did. Yeah, basically, definitely. So I, that was your strong reason why I can't wait to have kids, man. That's Just my next question: oh, Do I have kids? Hundred yes. percent. I'm. 
I would love to have kids and just give them like my bro- my brother has kids now. Yeah. And seeing him with his kids and how good a father he is because of what he went through. Yeah. I want that. Yeah. I want to play Xbox with them. <laughs> <laughs> I can see your kids just going gym, Xbox, gym, yeah, Xbox. Pretty much. Um, and food. Yeah. Food. Yeah. Food. So, um, uh, they'll probably, they'll probably rather train with Lisa, I reckon. Wow. Ooh, that <laughs> you can hurt. be the Xbox that, dad. And that they hurts. Oh. <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll wait and see for that. Yeah. Um, so, where are you at now? You've qualified PT um, level five metabolic precision. Yep. Um, where are you at in life now with all of that? Uh, I'm in a really good place. Like it's my big, my biggest struggle now is complacency. Yeah. That's because I'm in such a good place from where I was. Yeah. I get comfortable and I'm like, this is awesome. And then things go backwards. And yeah. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. So the position I'm in now, like an awesome partner, awesome friends, uh, a community of personal trainers that I, whenever I catch up with them, I'm like, oh, I feel so awesome. Yeah. Uh, especially like the MP weekends or mentor weekends and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I leave those like hyped yeah. for days. Yeah, is it so, is it the hot, same high you felt with drugs? I reckon it's better. Yeah, better. Yeah, definitely because there's it. It doesn't have the negative effect. Yeah, yeah. The, the come down. Mm. The the come down is basically if you just get complacent. Uh, yes. <laughs> really, but yeah. that's you know you can change that pretty quickly with a bit of work uh, and reaching out yeah, to reaching people. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Kane's business is Lift for Life. Yep. Transformations. Where are you located? Uh, in Chadson. In Chadson. And Kane has an online transformation as well. So you can search for Kane Lift for Life yep. and the website will come up. Yep. Um, the, the number four. Uh, Lift for, the number yeah, four yeah. of life. <laughs> um, transformations. Um, so Kane, when I think the first time I met Kane was at a level two weekend. It would have been level Jeez, two. Jeez, that was a long time ago. Yeah, probably yeah. two or three years ago, level two, and Kane taught me. No, I don't think Kane even taught me because I don't think I could do deadlifts because of my hips. Oh, yes, that's yeah. right. So, yes, I do remember that now. Yeah, so. Um, that was my first. Was that your first one? That was my first one teaching. Uh, I was nervous as hell. <laughs> I didn't even notice it. I, just, I thought you were like, because I knew the others that were there were mentors and I knew you weren't. Yeah. I was like, they've just got this guy because he's the best lift guy they can find <laughs> and the strongest guy ever. And I probably wasn't wrong in thinking that either. You're probably technically one of the like the best lifters in that group. Because, Thanks, man. Because you actually love Lifting. doing that. The, yeah, that's the that's te- your drug. Yeah. The technical side of level two and three of, of like the lifting, I was like, oh. Yes. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> the other stuff you yeah, like, the, yeah, the book work and that, I was like, yeah, I'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> but you, you did do it all and you yeah. obviously run a successful business now. So well, uh, I sort of did it. I, I, sort of did I needed it. help with it. I got a mentor and yeah. yeah. So, so your mentor is Matt Wolves. Yep. We'll give him a shout out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, obviously Kane and I both do metabolic precision and stuff like that, but He's like, you're obviously part of a mental group with about 13 or 14 other trainers, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's about, yeah, about 14. Yeah, yeah. he's just got a couple more back on board, mm. which I've seen. So, how important is that? Like, you've just spoke about the weekends away. Um, yep. We're recording this and you're about to go away tomorrow yep. to the Sunshine Coast. How important is it to be surrounded by those people? Um, invaluable. Yeah. I don't think that's the right word, is it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh it's, I know a lot of personal trainers out there and they're trying to slug it out on their own um, to build a successful business. And fight against each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And they don't, they don't work together. That's, that's the biggest thing. It's like a cutthroat industry. Um, having that group of trainers, not, not only Matt's mentor group, but also the MP, uh, other MP trainers to reach out to, um, to talk about struggles. Like I know we've had our, 
our similar struggles with business. Yeah, both uh, got complacent. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, it, it's unbelievable, like, because we don't, we don't try and poach each other's clients. Yeah. I, I actually send a lot of people clients. I'm like, I can't, I can't train this person because they're not who I work with. Yeah. And then I'll send- Pass them to someone yeah, else. Yeah. yeah so. Which is what a lot of us do. We, yeah. Rather than take someone on, we don't think we can help yeah. get there. We pass them on to someone else who we think we can. So, yeah. Um, what, I didn't give Kribby and Shah a shout out in <laughs> Troy Hawkins's podcast. Yeah. What what's Kruby taught you and Shah? Because I mean they run metabolic precision, but they don't just drift off into the sunset like they possibly could. They're yeah. actually involved and um, will speak to you if you need to, which yeah. is pretty important, I guess, as well for you. Definitely, um, Kruby's awesome, and he's he's very direct with the information that he's. There's no beating around the bush with him. Um, if you ask him something, uh, he'll give you the very honest answer and sometimes it comes to look cross as a bit brutal but it's definitely what you need to hear um i so when i went through my stage of complacency and my depression kicked in um it took me about seven eight months to realize what was happening and he was one of the people that i reached out to yeah and i said you know what what am i doing wrong this is what's happening and he said he just gave me some very simple and blunt advice and him and Matt Wolf gave him the exact same advice. Yeah, <laughs> Matt said it a bit kinder, but <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just what I needed to hear to sort of get out of that that state. Yeah, yeah. So we, we basically haven't touched on your depression at all. Was that the only bout of depression you've had, or have you had that for years? Um, so through my addiction and through my recovery i never noticed it yeah it could have been there like obviously i was very sad through it all yeah um but i never really noticed it like i do now yeah um now I'm speaking to other people that have it mine's not as bad as other people get it yeah um mine is triggered by when stuff goes wrong in my life because yeah. it's it's like oh shit i'm, I'm going back to that it's that fear of going back to the yeah, old life yeah and i go to my safety nets so all i do is play video games lift weights and eat food yeah and nothing else yeah and i just lock myself in my room and I, everyone else can piss off and yeah yeah so i go as soon as i find myself the, these days doing only those things i'm like okay something's up yeah i need to identify what the problem is or what's triggered it or what's happened and then work on managing it yeah. and implementing strategies going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where Lisa plays a big part for you? Yeah. Uh, Do you reach out to her? A little a little bit. A little bit. Lisa yeah. sort of stays away from me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Lisa, Lisa does the same thing as me. Yeah. Because Lisa's got her, uh, her own struggles with anxiety. Yeah. Um, and until recently, I haven't been able to help her. Yeah because I, I don't understand it that much. Um, and when things have gone wrong, I get frustrated because I couldn't help her. Yeah. So I would go away from her. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. when I get in there, she goes away from yeah. me. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a relationship that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sort of. <laughs> um, so, all right. So I think that's basically everything that I can think of to go through and yeah. you can't think of anything else. So I guess my last question is what advice do you have for people that go through this themselves but also the family and friends and support networks because you've obviously had that go away, we can't help you anymore and yeah. then they've welcomed you back when you've started to help yourself. So what what's your advice? Uh <clears throat> <laughs> the advice for people going through addiction, if you truly want to get out of it, uh, reach out for help, not not family members. Yeah. Someone who is not emotionally connected to the situation because then you're, you know, you, you're not going to hurt the family anymore. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's great advice, but... No, I think it, it is good yeah, advice. Yeah. You need a non-emotional non person in your corner. Yeah. Because some, they will get it to you truthfully. Yep. 
um, and unbiased. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's very, very good advice, yeah. I, think, cool. I believe. Cool. Thank you. Yes. So, <laughs> um, to the families, like you, you can help uh, a person going through addiction without supporting them, meaning like financially and stuff like that because I know when I had a place to stay and I had food coming in and I had all that uh, safety net there, it just clarified that I was fine to keep doing what I was doing. Was doing. Yeah. As soon as all that was taken away from me, I was like, oh, well, shit. Like, what am I going to do now? Like, where where am I going to go sleep? What am I going to do? And it started really hitting home that what I was doing was was stuffing up. Yeah. yeah. And it's extremely hard for the other people to actually do that. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's probably the it, hardest thing. It's got to be hard for a mum or a dad or grandparents even to kick their family member out knowing what they're going through yeah. and where it could potentially go. But I always think that it's it's the best thing to do is to cut them off yeah. but just be there ready to, if they do show signs that they're going to start getting better and they really want to, that you can step in and support them, not financially. Yeah, yeah. I think I said that right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Because that, that, that's probably the hardest thing for a parent or a brother or a sister or a grandparent to do. But in essence, the path they're on now is they're going to die yeah. of drugs. If you let them go, that's forcing their hand, they're either going to die yeah. or they're going to want to come back to you. Yeah. So It's make or break. It's make or break. But at least they have that option themselves where if they're just, you just sort of feed, the, feed yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. They, it's just only going to go one way. You're probably just going to delay the inevitable, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah. So if, so if someone's going through really hard addiction, and like I've heard stories of, especially with ice these days, like kids bashing their parents, like yeah. the mum and stuff. It's like if that's happening, just see you later. Yeah. I'd, we've got to look after ourselves and potentially other children in the house as well. So, yeah. And yeah, as hard as it is, it's probably the best thing. Um, as scary as it is letting a kid walk out um, on the street. So that's all fantastic advice. What's your plan from now? What do you want to achieve in the next couple of years? I know you want kids. Are you going to marry Lisa? Maybe Lisa. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it most probably will be Lisa. She's a cool chick. Yeah, she is. Um, we work well together and then we also don't work well together. So, but... Um, I think that's all right, a relationship. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Everyone's going, that's we, how our relationship. We piss each other off a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, our plan is to, at the end of next year, be fully online. Yep. Uh, Lisa wants to travel, so I want to have the business to a stage where financially we can travel the world a bit. Yeah. And then come back. I haven't told her this, but start a family when we come back. Hopefully, she's up for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a discussion you can have anyway. Yeah. Um, if she listens to this and she's packed her bags the next day and gone, well, you know the answer. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, so, just a, just the a last bit on your business, who who are the people you want to work with, basically? Because there's probably going to be people listening out there. Who, who do you want to hear from? Who do you want to help? Because there's going to be people that... They're going to listen and they're going to want your help. Yeah, it's so it's a hard question for us because we have. I I really want to help ex drug addicts or recovering drug addicts, yeah. but it's very hard to get them, as I said, to see the forest from the trees. Yeah, uh, I do actively chat to people that are going through it, um, but at the moment our niche is skinny people that want to bulk up. Yeah, because me and Lisa have both done it, so yeah. we've got that. Um, connection there uh, and like all MP trainers we work well with people who have dieted and tried all the quick fixes out yeah. there and they've finally realized that they don't work yeah and they want a long-lasting sustainable approach to body transformation so if that's you and you're listening and you're like I'm skinny and I want to be big and I'll put pictures up of <laughs> and Lisa and you want to change because it's not just males, but if you know a female, it's really struggling. They're really skinny. They're weak. They're, I guess, running all the time to try and yeah. lose weight and just don't see themselves as that person. Then reach out to Kane and Lisa at Live for Life. 
um, they'll either help you out and sign you up yeah. or they'll give you the next step to go forward. If they don't think it's a great fit, they'll give yeah. you the next step going forward. And that's what's good about what they do is that they, if they don't believe you're ready to step into that unknown, which can sometimes be a bad case for both people. They'll yeah. tell you the next step, which might be to start up at a gym themselves or yeah. start doing something. So they'll give you the first step, then they yeah. give you a chance or to reach back. If we know another trainer that would better suit them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, Pass you on. Yeah. There's this like a hundred of us. Yeah. There's more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> Only a select hundred that I would choose yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. A select, yeah. You've got a few in your yeah. mentor group and then a few outside yeah. as well. So, um, Thanks for sharing your story, Kane. No problems. Thank you for having me. Um, I will sh- I will share all the links and stuff in the write-up um, below this or on my Instagram or Facebook. Uh, thanks for listening and have a super week. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V-I-T-A-L-I-T-Y-F-I-T-T dot com.au.